Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery. Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! You're listening to a Bike Radar podcast, Tech Talk, with myself and Seb Stock, where we get nice and geeky about various bits of mountain bike tech. Uh, hello and welcome to another episode of our Mountain Bike Tech Talks. Uh, my name's Seb Stott. I'm sitting here with Tom Marvin. And we're going to be talking today a bit about linkage forks. Mountain bikes, obviously, suspension at the front. Um, the vast majority of them are what we call telescopic forks. This is where a stanchion goes inside a, a lower leg. So you have two stanchions, unless it's a lefty. Um, and they move up and down in a sort of linear motion. Yeah, so it's a it's a linear axle path of your suspension, uh, which is not what you have on the rear of your bike. So on the rear, you have a linkage, uh, which so the axle path arcs rather than moves in a straight line. Mm. Um, and linkage forks are basically trying to do that kind of thing uh, at the front. So they obviously look very, very different to what you'd expect. And there are a number of sort of linkage, there are a number of new linkage forks on the market that, and we're going to sort of talk about them. Yeah. They aren't unique as such. There are there have been linkage forks in the past. So White did the PRST-1. Um, yeah. There's a couple of like niche German super lightweight things from back in the day. Yeah, there've been, there's been a lot of sort of concept bikes or or very small volume mm-hmm. bikes that have, have tried it. And, and of course, motorbikes back in the day, I think in the 80s and 90s, they were not exactly popular, but they were raced um, with, um, uh, uh, for off-road motorcycles, they, they've been dabbled with. Mm. 
And on road motorcycles, uh, BMWs, uh, a lot yeah. of BMW motorcycles use a form of linkage uh, fork as well. So, so they're not totally out of the blue. It's not come out of nowhere, but they have become a lot more popular. Well, maybe popular is the wrong word, but they've become talked about a lot more in very recent uh, yeah. months. I mean, there's the, the, two, the two new forks on the market, there's the Trust Performance Message, the message fork. Yeah. Um, and this is one that's got some big industry names behind it, for sure. Yeah, so developed with Dave Weigel, who mm-hmm. designs a lot of rear suspension systems. Um, and he's obviously turned his hand uh, to, the front to, to the linkage on this uh, linkage fork. And the other one, well, the other ones is called the Motion E18. Um, they do a couple of versions of that. And that's a French company. Yeah. And similar idea. So both of those are modular uh, suspension forks. So you could you could theoretically take out your telescopic fork and put one of those in your existing mm-hmm. bike, and it's it's good to go. Um, but there's another approach, which is to have a integrated uh, linkage front suspension system. I'm not sure if you could really call it a fork, but um, that's more like what you get on a BMW motorcycle, mm-hmm. where it's the the linkage is integrated into the frame. It's part of the frame, um, and as opposed to having a linkage on a fork which bolts into a traditional head tube. Yeah. So so these these more traditional ones you could put into any frame effectively, so long as it matches the travel and all that sort of jazz that you're looking at. Whereas the ones which are you've just mentioned the more integrated ones you buy as a frame and fork package and you cannot put them onto your specialized yeah exactly uh so um the main company that's sort of trying to do that at the moment is structure Mm -hmm. we've seen prototypes of those bikes um not got to ride one yet but hopefully we should be able to ride one soonish um we'll put links in the bike radar article that accompanies this podcast as well with pictures and yeah. details as well. Yeah, yeah. So um so that's another approach which is mm-hmm. kind of happening at the same time. Well, should we talk about why these linkage forks are coming? I mean, first yes. off, maybe what what's the problem with a telescopic fork? We we've had telescopic forks for in development for 25 30 years now. You know, RockShox have been around a long time. There's loads of different companies out there and generally speaking, maybe unless you ride them back to back with a linkage fork in theory, they work really well. Yeah, I mean, they, they worked really well because they've had a huge amount of R&D poured into them mm. to do with um, reducing friction in the stanchions and getting the damping and, and the, the spring as, as refined as possible. But um, I, I, w- I, d- I wouldn't say that a telescopic fork is limited, but there are things you can do with a linkage fork that you can't do with a telescopic fork. Um, so the i guess the main one is that a telescopic fork has a, a linear axle path yeah so your suspension moves in the same direction as your head angle it's parallel to the head angle and that's fixed mm. whereas with a linkage it can it can arc and it can change um the so the so the axle path doesn't have to be lined up with the head angle yeah um and what you can do with that and what trust in particular are really pushing is that the um, the axle path actually uh, moves more rearwards mm-hmm. than the head angle. So as your head angle might be at sort of 66 degrees, let's say, for yep. the sake of argument, the axle path on that fork will move at uh, an even shallower angle than 66 degrees. So a slacker angle. A slacker angle, if you like, yeah. 
Um, and what that means is that as the fork moves into its travel, the fork offset decreases. Mm -hmm. So we've done an episode on fork offset already. Um, if you don't know what that is, you could you could listen to that episode or you could you could Google it. But but basically the offset is the the distance that the front axle sits in front of the steering axis, yeah. which is the line through the middle of the head tube about which the front wheel rotates when you steer. So why would you want that? Well, basically, when the fork dives, the head angle gets steeper. Mm. And when you have a steeper head angle, you have less trail. And trail is what keeps your steering... Kind of stable and kind calm. Kind of stable and, and stops it kind of tucking under and wanting to um, steer into the turn. Uh, so trail is really important. And on a traditional mountain bike, when the fork dives, uh, the fork offset stays the same on a telescopic fork. Mm. Because um, it's, it's fixed. It's fixed, yeah. So, so because the axle path moves parallel to the head angle, the the, the distance between the steering axis and the front axle, mm. the offset stays the same. But when the head angle steepens under braking and the fork dives, that means you have less trail. Yeah. Um, which means you have twitchier steering when you're when you're braking hard and the on the front. Probably when you least dive. need twitchier steering at times. Ex yes. It, to, yes, in a lot of situations, I think that's definitely true, yeah. Uh, so the steeper the trail, the rougher the trail, the more travel you're using. Um, in some situations, that causes the fork to dive and then you have less trail, which is definitely not what you want. And we can we can remedy that with, to some extent, with just propping up the fork with a firmer spring rate mm. or more damping, but that makes it more uncomfortable. Um, and a lot of people... Um, are almost never using all their travel in the fork because they want they want it to hold up under they braking. They need that support. They need the support under braking, and that means that they are running a fork which is kind of firmer than perhaps they would kind like to in other situations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with a linkage fork, you can have that shorter offset as mm. you get further into the travel, which compensates almost exactly in terms of brake dive. Yeah. Um, so that your trail stays roughly the same as the fork compresses. And there's been a lot of talk about that. That's I think that's been communicated quite a lot, and Trust have definitely pushed that as They're a selling point. They're pushing pretty heavy as like one of their main key USPs, aren't they? Yes, but I think that narrative misses something, which is that often, perhaps most of the time, when your suspension compresses, the front and rear suspension compress Together. together, yeah. So that's called heave compression. So you have so so far we talked about diving, mm. which is when the fork compresses much more than the shock, um, which is obviously true on a hardtail all the time. Yeah. But on a full suspension bike, a lot of the time the fork and shock compress together, which means that the head angle doesn't change as much. Yeah, or at all, uh, or um, well, you could you, even get slacker if the rear suspension yes, is compressing more and, than the fork. And I think we've all experienced that when the shock is too soft, you go to hit a corner and the head angle actually slackens. Mm. It doesn't steepen, it slackens as the suspension compresses. And that causes the steering to get sort of vague and, and lazy midway through the turn, yeah. and it can cause you to run wide, um, which means you need to stiffen up the rear suspension to stop it getting slacker in the turn. Um, however, telescopic forks work brilliantly in that situation because when under heave compression, the head angle stays the same, mm. and the fork offset stays the same, so the trail stays the same. So you have a more consistent feel of the bike through that corner. Yes. Whereas presumably with a linkage fork, you've 
under that kind of situation, you don't maybe don't want your offset to change because your head angle isn't isn't changing every time your suspension compresses. Mm. It only your head angle only gets steeper if the fork is compressing more than the shock, and that's not always the case. So that so that's an important caveat to what we talked about earlier um, about brake dive. Mm-hmm. Is that sometimes your suspension compresses without diving? It, it's heave compression, and then, yeah, maybe maybe that's not what you want. Um, you're going to have more stable, more more trail in a corner with a linkage fork uh, because your your head angle isn't necessarily changing in mm-hmm. that situation. Um, and the other thing is that with a telescopic fork, your front center and your wheelbase shorten as the suspension compresses because because of that rearward axle path that's generated just by the head yeah. angle. And with the linkage fork, you have even more of that because it moves backwards. It's in like a, almost a J-bend? A J-shaped, exactly, yeah. Um, so in addition to the head angle, it moves even more horizontally than the head angle, it's which means... Backwards, then up. Yeah, exactly. So so your wheelbase is going to get shorter. Um, so you have a 130mm travel linkage fork, like the Trust, a 130mm travel... Um, telescopic fork at the same head angle. At bottom out, you'll have a shorter front center with mm. the linkage fork than with the um, telescopic fork. So that's another thing to consider, um, which is not really talked about in the marketing, but is 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 something to be aware of. Should we talk um, about some of the the other sort of proposed advantages then of, of yeah, these to- linkage forks? Yeah, totally. So so the first one is keeping the trail more mm. consistent under brake dive. Uh, I guess the second one would be friction. Yeah. So telescopic forks have a lot of friction. Even the high-end ones, even you know the Fox Kashima coating. Not mm-hmm. really sure how much difference that makes, but there's still a significant amount of friction. And that's why you don't get sort of when you put a bike down on the ground. You know the suspension doesn't sag into itself because there's so much. Yeah, that's, that's part of the reason for that. Yeah, yeah. And if you if you measure your sag. Um, Measuring sag on a fork is really difficult mm. because there's there's a significant amount of friction, which means it it won't quite get to the the point where the forces are balanced, mm. um, where your weight is balanced against the spring because the friction kind of holds it a mm. bit higher. Um, and then if you measure your sag by compressing the fork and then letting letting it come up slowly, you'll get a very different measurement mm. because the friction is then holding it down for a given air pressure for a given air pressure and weight. Yeah, so so friction is really significant in forks perhaps more so than people realize and it becomes more significant when the fork is loaded so when you're braking when you're hitting bumps um if you're pushing into the ground especially with a slack head angle you're kind of forcing the the axle of the fork up and out you know so you're almost bending the fork in the middle exactly yeah so that puts a, a lateral load on the fork which which exacerbates the friction problem whereas with the linkage fork it, it operates on bearings mm-hmm I guess you could have bushings, but most of them are using, you know, um, cartridge bearings, just like you'd have in your rear suspension, and and that should make it more sensitive. Yeah. And you might have noticed that when you're if you're sitting on your bike going down a fire road, which is has very small bumps, mm. your your rear suspension will be moving, and and absorbing those bumps, and your fork will just be stationary because of friction. Yeah. Um. So, in theory, you could get some of that advantage on the front, or if not all of the advantage mm. on the front with with um with the bearings to reduce friction, especially when under load. Yeah. Um, so you could have better sensitivity um, and more traction, uh, less hand fatigue, et cetera. Just as 
as a massive sort of tangent here, you just mentioned there, or we just talked about there, that the on a fire road, the fork is not moving, whereas the shock is. Now, the reason why the shock is moving, but the fork isn't is, first off, there's only one set of sort of seals and friction, so there's there's less sort of resistance to any of the force. There's also yeah. more a rearward weight balance if you're sat on the back of the bike. That's true, yeah, that's and true. you've also got the effective leverage of the shock. So yes. Because it's on the end of a, you know, like when, when a fork moves, a telescopic fork, if the front wheel moves 50 mil, the fork moves 50 mil. Whereas exactly. on a suspension system at the back, because it's all done with levers, you might have any hand, you might only have like a, a 51 mil stroke shock, but the wheel might be moving 150 mil. So there's... Yeah, yeah. So typically on the rear, you have about a, a two and a half to one ratio. Mm. So for every two and a half inches, your mm -hmm. rear wheel moves, your shock only moves one inch. And so that means that if there's a... Um, an, if there's, say, two and a half newtons of friction in your shock, you'll only experience one newton of friction at the rear wheel mm. because of that mechanical advantage. And you can have some of that advantage with a linkage fork as well exactly, yeah. because you have a, a leverage, yeah. um, a mechanical advantage on the, on the shock, if you like. So, mm -hmm. so some of these uh, linkage forks have a sort of proprietary uh, shock, uh, which has a... Uh, an actuation ratio that's that's greater than one to one, so just mm. like a rear suspension system. Um, so that gives you some mechanical advantage to reduce the friction in the shock. But also, of course, that shock is not taking the load of the rider. It's not it's not suspending its weight and 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 having to deflect mm -hmm. and and being pushed back and forwards by bumps. It's more isolated. It, exactly. Yeah, more isolated. Not not completely. I mean, rear mm. shocks are not completely isolated from lateral bending, but they are much more isolated than a fork. Yeah. Um, which has to do two jobs at once in a sense. Um, so that's another advantage is reduced mm -hmm. friction. And then the third potential advantage is to do with um, something called anti-dive. So with a with a telescopic fork, because it's raked out at the head angle, you have a... Um, when you brake, there's a, a weight shift onto the front wheel, um, which causes the front wheel to the front suspension to compress and mm. the rear, rear suspension to extend, and that's kind of inevitable. But you also have an additional um, force acting to compress the suspension in the horizontal plane. Yeah. So because the fork is somewhat horizontal, it's not completely vertical. Uh, there's a component of the horizontal braking force, yeah. which is acting to kind of push you backwards and slow you down, which acts along the on, along the plane of the telescopic fork and causes it to dive even more. And the slacker your head angle, the more the fork will want to dive under braking. However, with a with a linkage fork, you can use the, the torque of the brake caliper to counteract that to some extent and hold it up. This is always what USC, for example, made that single-legged uh, semi-telescopic, semi-linkage fork 10, 10 years ago. And that was always their big claim, was that the, the brake caliper was mounted on this little arm that sort of sat in a triangulated effect behind the axle, and that was there to prevent brake dive. Yeah, and that's... It's not a new idea. And this is, I think, one of the main claims that BMW make about their motorcycles, mm -hmm. is that they almost completely eliminate brake dive. Mm -hmm. um, so you pull on the front brake on, on a BMW motorcycle with the linkage, and it will... Basically, not the front will almost not compress. The geometry remains static. Exactly. Yeah. So all this talk we we're talking about um, brake dive earlier, 
not only can you keep the trail more consistent on a brake dive, so the steering feel is more consistent, but you can actually mitigate brake dive in the first place. Mm. Um, so you don't have to rely on the spring and the damper to hold you up under braking. You can do some of that work um, with the linkage and with that brake torque to um, kind of hold the linkage up, if you like. And I guess what this means then is in those situations where you are having to brake, if you're having to do this in a, a technical section of trail, whatever it is, it means you've now got all of that travel left to deal with the impacts rather than some of that trail being e eaten up by this weight shift, by this brake dive. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you still have the, the weight shift um, under braking, but you won't have that additional force mm. acting to compress the suspension even further. So you should have a fork that, in theory, under braking works better. Or at least stays higher. Mm -hmm. it, might, it might become harder, harsher under braking. And, and the fact that your fork compresses while you brake is not necessarily a bad thing because mm. it can give you more traction. If yeah. your fork is deeper into its travel, um, then your weight is shifted towards the front, maybe that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, in reality, mountain bikers tend to compensate. Mm. So if your fork is diving, you might think, oh, that'll give you more grip on the front tire. But in reality, people maybe just move further back. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure about that. But um, we've not tried a fork with no anti-dive. And I, I, I'm not sure if that's what anyone is really proposing. Mm -hmm. um, structure, the company we mentioned earlier with the integrated linkage forks, uh, they have a slightly adjustable, or at least they did on one of the prototypes, had an adjustable um, anti-dive characteristic. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think they were going for you know, full anti-dive so that it stayed vertical. You always want, I think everyone agrees, you want some dive. Mm -hmm. You don't want your fork to sort of rise up under braking. Yeah. You want it to compress. Like a jack. Yeah, you want it to compress a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I guess we haven't ridden any of these forks yet, so we don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Mm -hmm. But um, the theory um, makes sense from the point of view of reducing brake dive so that your fork is higher in its travel and has more, so your geometry is more conserved, mm. your bar height is more conserved, your head angle is more conserved, um, and and you have more travel left to absorb bumps while you're braking. So that's a big part of the theory behind linkage forks. So one of the features that we did a few months ago, you designed what you think is your bike of the future. And it, you know, it was an article which did pretty well on Bike Radar. If you listen to this, you may well have seen it. On that bike, you, you had a linkage fork. So do you think that, you know, if you if you save, I mean, the aesthetics of these linkage forks is somewhat questionable. The, <laughs> I'm not gonna pick out motion at all. But that's not a product that I would necessarily <laughs> want to put on my sleek lined. It's, it's, it's not a pretty you're, thing. You're the style guru of the two of us. And do you think this, the trust looks better? I think the trust looks better than the motion from a purely aesthetic. We're just going to reiterate, we haven't had a chance. We have asked to ride these forks. We haven't. Several times over the last six months. We, we haven't been sent a set. Yeah. Um, we're working on that. The trust is the one that I would put on my bike if I had to. If you had to, yeah. Um, but, that, but you know, the motion, you know, the motion's a, an odd, but, you know, potentially very effective looking fork. It's, it's very much, it looks quite bionic. Yeah. It's got a... Looks like a praying mantis. Yeah, a praying mantis. In front of your bike. On, on one side, you've got what, you know, you've got a damper. 
And on the other side of the fork, there's like a curved carbon fiber spring. Yeah, so it's a it's a kind of I guess you could call it a leaf spring, uh, similar to um, kind of prosthetic legs. Yeah, I guess. And so, then there's so it's not an air spring, but it's uh, their in-house damper. They develop that mm-hmm. damper in-house, which is pretty cool. I mean, as a piece of engineering, I think it's amazing. As, yeah, um, it, look, it looks as a piece of aesthetic design, which is not my strong suit, as we all know. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's questionable, but but you never know. It it, it could be awesome. Yeah, I mean, there there's always going to be people who who care more about aesthetics than anything else. I'm not one of them, as we know, but um, yeah, I'm really excited to ride one. Mm. Um, the trust, as we sort of said at the the top of this, it's had involvement from a number of sort of big names in mountain biking. You know, uh, Dave Weagle and the guy who's behind the Crankweather synthesis wheels, um, who Jason Shears. Who's yeah. involved as well? So, formerly from MV, so that gives a lot of kind of carbon know-how. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a carbon structure. It's carbon f- kind of chassis fork. With, so, with that, so that so that's the trust is air sprung. Air sprung. Mm-hmm. And they they've difference. they've built their own the the fork. If you sort of can imagine, it's got two sort of almost regular looking rigid fork like legs. Um, at the bottom of those, there's like a little link that drops a little bit lower down. Um, and that goes into a secondary, effectively vertical link at the back, which holds the axle with another top linkage to link it back to the original over-the-top uh, rigid-like fork. Yeah, so it's essentially a big old rigid fork with a sort of with a four-bar linkage mm. attached to it. So it's a trailing linkage. So the the kind of rigid fork, if you like, part of it um, is kicked out really far forwards. And then you have this trailing four-bar linkage behind that. So you have two parallel links and then a link between those where the axle is attached and also the brake calipers. Yeah. So just like a four-bar linkage on the rear of your bike, but on the front, mm-hmm. so you can control the um, uh, the braking characteristics. It's got some sort um, of... With um, that four-bar linkage. Aesthetic characteristics of that Lauf fork, for example, you know, the, the trailing. I guess so it's, it's built so, in a different way. Yeah. It's not the same sort of idea, but from an aesthetic point of view, if you thought the Lauf was a reasonable thing, you know, maybe this trust might be as well. You know a bit about Lauf. Mm. You've been there about every other week for the last yeah. few years. Um, would you say that, did they describe that as a linkage fork? No, not really. They, no. they don't, uh, Lauf have marketed the say the grit gravel fork and the the trail forks differently um that's more about reducing well that is about reducing friction because there is no there is no inherent friction in the loud fork but it, they haven't yeah. made any claims about brake dive or anything like this it's yeah it's lightweight non-friction short travel undamped aid yeah did they describe it as a suspension fork the Original mountain bike forks, they definitely did. Yeah, because to so for those who don't know, the Lauf is basically a Icelandic company who have a um, similar to the Trust. It's a basically a rigid fork with a trailing, um, not linkage, but a, a leaf spring arrangement mm. where you have two sets of leaf springs connecting the rigid part to the rear axle. Yeah. So there's no damping, there's no shock, there's no bearings. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's friction, friction-free. Um, it's basically just a spring. 
Yeah. Um, and, the, you know, they, they, they have the mountain bike fork has 60 mil of travel, the gravel fork, which I think, to be fair to them, the, the mountain bike fork wasn't great, really. Bit flexy, mm. 60 mil of travel was undamped. It wasn't the best thing in the yeah. world, but it had it had a place. I'm not going to completely say. So the reason I asked, did they describe it as a suspension fork? Mm-hmm. Is, I mean, if you have a spring with no damper, is that is suspension, that suspension or is yeah. that, yeah, just a spring mounted? Axle. Just a spring, yeah. But there's certainly, you know, it's another take on the non-traditional telescopic fork. Yeah, yeah. And we're seeing this, you know, if we if we sort of cast our eyes over to the road world just briefly, you know, we've got the Laugh Grit, which I, I do think is a great product. You've also got things like the future shock on the specialized. So, you know, the isolation of forces um, to the body is there in the road world as much, not as much, but growing, especially now we're looking at those rougher roads, gravel and that sort of thing. Yeah. And and that kind of thing. Uh, te- telescopic forks maybe aren't necessarily what you want on a road bike because yeah, they are because they're the friction. heavy. And also, yes, also the friction. Um, really kills the small bump sensitivity, yeah. and and you you have big tires on a mountain bike to deal with the small bumps pretty well. But but on a road bike or a gravel bike, you don't necessarily want that kind of big hit control, that no. well damped, super controlled progressive travel. What you want is something to take out the buzz, and, and the they're buzz super that... high frequency small bumps, and and you don't necessarily need yeah. damping for that. But minimizing friction becomes even more crucial in that. In that scenario, yeah. So perhaps um, linkage forks could be could be an option there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, obviously, the Lauf is not a true linkage fork because it has no bearings; it's just a spring. But a perhaps a kind of a linkage style fork might might, might make a well. lot of sense there. That's yeah. Uh, we haven't heard of anything in that space, but but the the advantage, the friction reducing advantages of a linkage fork. Uh, could make inroads there as well, mm. um, but from a mountain biking perspective, there's um, yeah, there's those three major advantages: uh, different or more consistent trail and a brake dive, mm-hmm. less brake dive in the first place because of anti dive characteristics and less friction, less friction because of the linkage and the bearings. We talked a lot about obviously the theoretical advantages of these linkage forks. As I say we haven't. Had a chance to ride them yet, but obviously when we do, we'll we'll update you and you know we'll we'll talk a lot on bike radar when we, when we've had them. But there are obviously we'll, we'll wrap it up, I think, in a minute. But there are obviously some disadvantages, you know, that we haven't sort of covered off. And the first of those has to be at the moment the price. So yeah, I guess with any new technology, there's a the the price is going to be higher to start with. Mm. So so telescopic forks have had a lot of R and D going into not only making them ever better but also making them cheaper to manufacture yeah i mean the, there's the trickle down so you know the technology that was once amazing look at rock yeah. motion control damper which you know when that first came out was blew everyone's edge. minds and now that's on their most budget 35 series forks pretty much yeah yeah um springs get better all, all these things get better and, they, and then they get cheaper um so obviously linkage forks have not had that so they're really expensive uh the trust performance is nearly two thousand yeah. dollars, and it was more expensive when it first came out. Um, yeah, they're going to cost a lot, as we alluded to earlier. They're Aesthetics. a bit aesthetically questionable, um, and then also these are small brands who are developing not only the fork and the linkage, but also, um, in the case of structure and motion, at least the damper as mm. well. So it's kind of unproven damping technology that hasn't had those 
decades of gradual refinement. They haven't just um, dropped in like a, something from Fox or something from Rockshox or any of the other brands. They, they've developed their own. You know, yeah, and these, you know, which is really Ro- cool. Rockshox have built, you know, Fox. That's basically all they do is dampers and springs. So they yeah. know what they're doing. And you, I couldn't go and build a damper straight off the back. These these guys know what they're doing. We're not we're not suggesting that they don't, but it's going to be difficult for them to kind of drop straight in with a damper which functions as well as the, top the, end the latest stuff from, from the biggest, the biggest brands who Fox and RockShox in particular they're refining their dampers little by little every year you know making small tweaks uh, based on loads of data and loads of feedback um, so we presume so, you know, the, the lights of trust and motion will be doing this over the years but yeah. this is first gen stuff, I, I so. guess yeah it's back to the same thing of it's so new and that's 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 going to make it an uphill struggle to start with mm. um but also as we kind of alluded to at the start the a lot of the advantages have other disadvantages so for example if you want to reduce the offset as the fort moves into its travel um that's going to be good in terms of brake dive but it it might not be so good under heave compression it also might not be so good in terms of the change in front center length mm-hmm. is 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 going to be greater even than with a uh, with a conventional fork so so I guess with a with a with a linkage fork you have more degrees of freedom. It doesn't just move in one plane, it moves in well, it moves in one plane, but it it, it um there's more variables to play with in yeah. terms of how it moves, the axle path, the the brake dive. But then I suppose there's more to get wrong. Yeah. There's more there's more scope to get it wrong um in all of those parameters. Um, and this is probably going to be their their challenge, isn't it? Yeah, uh, there's just yeah, there's so much to consider, and it's a whole new kind of area to to develop and to refine. Um, so I think that's a fair overview of the current sort of telescopic versus linkage. You know, linkage forks we're going to see more and more. As I said, we're trying our hardest to get some into test, and as soon as we do, we'll we'll give some first impressions. We'll do full reviews. Um, but yeah, hopefully that's given a bit more context to you know what you might be seeing out there on social media, on other you know websites and things. You know, this is this is what the differences are. Yeah, hopefully we've hopefully we've cleared up and not just made it more confusing. But there's been a lot of of kind of marketing led talk about this, where the advantages are talked about in great detail, but but not so much the disadvantages. And and obviously more will become clear, but the the theory is not clear-cut as as clear-cut as some have suggested so yeah. that's what we wanted to delve into here. yeah so you, your telescopic fork is not null and void you don't you don't need to get rid of it now absolutely so, not yeah hopefully that's been of, of interest to you do leave us comments and reviews on the various different podcast places that you're getting this from um let us know if there's stuff you want us to talk about in a future tech talk series as well because we're definitely happy to hear your suggestions for sure yeah Thanks very much. Yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com.